Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family-oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So today, we're going to talk about creative real estate investing with another active real estate investor from the New York area by way of Atlanta, and uh, she's absolutely crushing it right now in her business. I'm excited to hear about everything that she's got going on. We have Vicky, the investor today. Vicky, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Looking forward to it. So why, yeah. why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm originally from East Atlanta. Um, I'm born and raised there, East Atlanta area, Decatur area. Um, and I went to college there and graduated well, let me rewind just a little bit because it'll tell how I actually got into real estate. My mom was a realtor and um, she was a realtor in Georgia. And I was fascinated by looking at the big houses. Um, mm -hmm. When you're a parent, you got to drag your kids with you a lot of the places. And I was fascinated with the big houses. And um, by the time I think I was in high school, she ended up buying this huge house. And uh, I seen big checks just laying on in her office. Uh, she made one of the bedrooms. We had a, she bought a five bedroom, five and a half bath. It's the first home that she owned. And I seen big checks. And I said, oh, what, wait a minute. It was just like seven to eight checks piled up. And it was like 30,000, 40,000. I said, what, what is this? She said, oh, I just got to go to the bank. And she was just calm with it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I had never seen that before. So that's how, it started. So when I, when I, uh, came through high school and went on to college and then I, uh, you know, saw my mom in real estate and things of that nature, which she got into when I was in middle school, but ended up seeing those big checks and then, um, went to college out to Clark Atlanta university, CAU, and then, uh, moved up to New York because I have my BA in uh, communications, uh, radio and TV. So New York is the number one market. Uh, for that field. So that was my thing um, to get into. And my mom said, listen, you can do both. I want to be on the radio. Uh, my mom said, you can do both, but understand real estate is going to take care of you for the rest of your life. Right. So I ended up having an epiphany, like within two years that I moved here um, in New to New York City. And I was just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going right into real estate like full time because I was in it like part time playing around mm -hmm. but just like full time that's what I did so are you there's a lot to that part of the story I actually want to talk about but are you primarily investing in the New York area right now primarily in Georgia primarily in Georgia got Georgia, it right. now there's a couple of reasons why I can think of as to why New York wouldn't be the best market but mm -hmm. maybe you might find maybe you might see things differently I have some up here, but majority of my inventory is in Georgia. Right. And, yeah. wh and wh why would that be the case? Well, it's home. So that's what I'm, that's a familiar territory mm -hmm. for me personally. That's what I know. Um, and I know the areas because born and raised in Georgia. So I know the areas, I know where to look. I just mm -hmm. know different things. Um, and moving up here in New York, I didn't get any real estate until I moved up here because I didn't know anything about New York. Mm -hmm. And, um, I tried to do the same methods that I used in Georgia up here in New York. Um, however, the houses were coming in so fast and I was still inexperienced. Mm -hmm. uh, for the New York groove, I was inexperienced. Yeah. So 
man, I lost so many houses because I didn't know what I was doing. Like I had meetings with people. It would just be me and they like, I could have got these houses mm-hmm. if I had to say the right thing. So many houses when I look back. That's right. But, but yeah, Georgia is a better market for me, but I still like New York. I dibble and dabble and got some properties here. Yeah. New York is a tough market overall. Yeah. Uh, because of the because of the level of competition that you have yeah. there, um, and plus you know everybody in New York has a Taj Mahal. Yeah. <laughs> so, at least they, <laughs> that's what they think. So everybody mm-hmm. wants top dollars. So it's a little harder to get. I mean, unless you really have a a, a, a beater like a real fixer upper, it's really hard to to, right. to um to get a really good deal there. But they are there, and when you do buy, the appreciation is what. Um, to me, New York is definitely an appreciation market, right? So yeah. um, uh, as opposed to like the Southeast, you, you're, you're more in a cash flow market. Well, you can still get the cash flow in New York as well, but it's just a tougher oh, market all the way around. You know what I mean? Depending on how you buy. Um, I also thought that New York was super tough and I was like, oh, I don't know how to talk to, to these people. I don't know <laughs> what to do, but it's all the same game, it, it right? It really is. It really is. Um, so, so when I started in New York, just sending out postcards, I remember this lady just called Free and Clear House. And since you're, you're from Brooklyn, so you yeah. know what I'm about to say. Yeah. She uh, she owned a place out on uh, 14th Street, Chelsea area. Mm-hmm. And um, she called me. She said, hey, I see your flyer. I'm looking to sell. So I got the information that I'm supposed to get, uh, you know, my do my due diligence. And basically the house was free and clear. The thing is, and we all know that house would have sold the same day if she had to put it on the market. Yep. And she, she said this on the phone to me. She said, listen, I know that my house can sell, but what I do, because I do creative financing, I was able to solve her problem. Her problem was she had this house that she lived in. She divorced from her husband years ago, and she just wanted to move to Paris to paint. Mm. Now, it's blowing my mind because I'm like, wait, what? You know, you hear all these different stories and you yourself would have just never thought of that. Mm-hmm. She said, I want to move to Paris to paint. The problem is, because she was well off, fil- filthy rich. So mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily, you know, she needed money. The problem is, it was people in the basement who they had become family. They wasn't her real family. But she knew if she had sold the house, they had to leave. And it was not going to be $800 rent. So mm-hmm. three bedrooms, like a three uh, three bedroom, one bath down there. And it was a family. They had been there like 10 to 12 years. So I said, okay, well, that's not a problem. She said, if I sell it to you, you have to promise to keep them in place. I said, I tell you what, we're not going to just go off on my word. We're going to actually put that in the agreement. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay. And that's what happened. Put it in the agreement that though I won't kick those people out because if she had to put it on the market, somebody who buys the house, they want that thing free and clear. They mm-hmm. phew, get and out. They're trying to max out. Right. Exactly. So, um, came up with a deal. And to me, that was an easy deal because I just figured out what she wanted. And she simply told me it was, that deal was so easy because she said that in one phone call, all that on one phone call of what she wanted. And the whole thing was just put it in the agreement that the tenants can stay. Now, the agreement wasn't that I couldn't raise the rent. Mm. The agreement was that they could stay. Right. So that came about that one on 14th Street. So and I, I shocked myself. 
<laughs> I was gonna say that's an interesting take too, man. I, I get a lot of I got a um a video on YouTube. It's called How to Buy Your First Rental Property Even If You're Broke. Right. Okay. And it's got two million views at this point. And well, just shy of two million. And I get a ton of people that just can't believe that you can actually get a property seller financed. Yeah. And, and the, the main question is why would a seller want to do this? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but t- to your point, what you were saying, you got to solve problems. And, and if you can find a solution to a problem, you can always get what you want. And that's what people have to understand. So you got to think like an investor. You can't go in there thinking that this is not possible because guess what? It, it ain't going to be possible if you think it's not possible. Right? right. But if you can go in there with the mindset of, solving the problem that the seller has, you could get anything you want. Just make sure you're creating win-win situations. You're not taking advantage of people mm-hmm. and you'll be in business for a long time. Right. I, yeah. I learned a long time ago from my coach is that don't think for other people. That's right. You don't think. You don't think. Cause a lot of, a lot of times when I first started, I was thinking, why would someone, just give me the, and once you hear these stories, you know why. Exactly. I mean, it's so many scenarios. Yeah. So, there, so there's different levels of distress. You got physical distress, financial distress. You're, you're, when you're doing creative financing or any type of real estate investing in general, right? The, the object is to find the problem, solve the problem, solve the distressing problem. And yes. you'll get, you'll get the property, right? So, so just going back for a second. Okay. Your, your mom was cashing all these checks. I can relate to that because, you know, I've been teaching my daughters. I have four. I have five kids, so four daughters nope. and, and one son. My nope. oldest daughter, I've been teaching her. She closed her first real estate deal at 14. Right? I saw that video. I yeah, thought it was so, a- so she made, what, $13,000 or something like that, a little shy of it. Um, now, she's not particularly interested in real estate. I have to, I have to say that. But okay. like your mom, I told her real estate will allow you to do whatever you want to do. So she she wants to do other things with her life. That's perfectly fine. But I want you to focus on getting yourself situated beforehand. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think real estate is the way to do that. So um, I think her being young, um, she doesn't have the same appreciation for real estate yet because she doesn't really care about money. That's right. because she's not in the real world yet, right? But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, when she, you know, when she starts to accumulate some bills and stuff like that, hopefully no debt, but bills, um, well, no bad debt, right. but she, she accumulate, had- right. You accumulate these bills, then a re- she'll get a reality check and realize everything I'm tr- I've been trying to tell her over the last five, six years. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I can definitely appreciate the fact that your mom uh, set the standard for you, so to speak. Right. Right. And because I've been trying to do that with my kids as well. So obviously that had a major, major impact on you. Now, your mom was a realtor. How did the investing aspect come into play for you? Um, well, she, when she started out as a realtor, mm-hmm. um, as I said, I would go and look at the houses with her. And uh, let me also say that she had failed this test. A million times so my mom is the first one in the family to have done it mm-hmm. um to have done something of this magnitude um so just sitting in her office and seeing these checks and of course those questions come up mm-hmm. because as a realtor 
from what I knew of seeing previous checks, I was used to seeing 4,000, you know, 2,500, things of that nature. But that day when I sat in her office um, inside of our house and I just seen those checks and I just, I was like, wait, what? And my mom is the type, she's like, oh, I'll explain it later. She's one of those parents and she don't necessarily explain it later until you just be, <laughs> you remember when you was telling me? But eventually I got her to tell me um, that she learned while being a realtor that uh, you can end up doing the investing, like wholesaling a yeah. property. Now, yeah. it's frowned upon, you know, but it's, it's not an illegal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she found a way to do that with within the parameters, and that's how those checks came. And when she understood that, it was like a transition mm-hmm. out of the realtor world um, into a full-time investor. Same thing so, happened to me. Same exact mm-hmm. thing. I was a realtor first. Uh, I don't know. Um, so in Brooklyn, one of the largest uh, real estate firms out there is Fillmore Real Estate, right? And then you had okay. the Corcoran Group. I, I was with Fillmore for a while. I was considering going with the Corcoran Group, um, mm-hmm. but got into investing. When I saw those checks that the investors were getting, it was a, yeah. a light bulb went off in my head. I said, there's no need for me to be a realtor anymore. Let me focus yeah. on investing. That's kind of how I transitioned into investing as well, which obviously comes with obstacles, right? So what are some of the obstacles you faced when you started investing in real estate? Well, I would say this because I had that guidance from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she hit all the roadblocks for me. Um, to prevent me from hitting so many roadblocks. Mm-hmm. However, don't get me wrong, I did face my own challenges, but I've I haven't faced crazy challenges. Um, well, I guess crazy is relative because you know people will take you to court, people yep. will do different things, and man, you learn the most by by going through these experiences. You learn so much on how to maneuver the next time around, what to do. Uh, different exit strategies for things of that particular nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've hit some roadblocks, but uh, still having that parent shield has, has protected me. Now, when my mother hit those shields, I'm able to still learn mm. to protect me in the future when something comes up. So um, roadblocks, like I said, court. <laughs> <laughs> People going to court for yeah. for some things. Um, um, I've only ever see. been to court one time. My entire twenty, <laughs> I've been in the business for twenty two years. Mm-hmm. I've only been to court one time, and I took the contract at the court. So nobody's uh-huh. ever, and and that speaks volumes for for me personally. Okay, um, and, and how I do business. Mm-hmm. The only time I've ever been a step foot in a courtroom period was mm-hmm. when I. Uh, I had to take somebody else to court and it was a contract, uh, you know, and you know you. how it is working with contractors. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I have a different approach with contractors. So mm-hmm. I have this hard demeanor about myself. So when they see me, all contracts, I mean, it's the same thing all the time. Oh, mm-hmm. Hey, Hey, what's going on? And I immediately turn into a New Yorker. What's up, my boy. You know, <laughs> they just like, What? I love it. Talking to me like that. What's going on? Yeah. You know, that whole, that whole attitude, everything switch. 
And I tell them, you know, like how they want their money up front. I say, well, listen, this is how I do it. I don't give money up front. Yep. You can take it or leave it. This is when you're going to get your money. And I have my clauses in my contract. Yep. Like, you know, I've never run into a problem with a contract because I don't come off as this sweet and innocent. I talk to them mm-hmm. as if I'm another man because okay. I think men under, you know, they can relate to that more like, oh, yep. she's not playing. Yep. Absolutely and, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just the approach I take. So I have different things inside of my contract, but, uh, as far as hitting roadblocks with, with contractors, I just say, Hey, listen, there's a thousand of you. It's not a problem. Yeah. And they just, okay, well, I'm sure we can work some out. I bet you can. Either you mm-hmm. want it or you don't. Um, but pretty much just, just court my, my, I have a no nonsense tolerance in my business. Mm-hmm. So I don't hit that much. Um, you know, and, and this may sound a little harsh, but, you know, if my mom hears this, she's going to be like, did you really say that to people <laughs> so the rest of the world can hear it? You, you know, people going to look at you crazy. But, you know, I just, this this is just a real me. Mm-hmm. So even having tenants, I believe that you have to let them know up front. Uh, first of all, I don't let anybody know I'm the owner. But if I'm working in the business, which I try to stay out of the business and work on the business versus in the business. Mm-hmm. But if I'm dealing with a tenant, um, you know, I just let them know, listen, if your mom died, your dad died, your kid died, or you die, rent is still due. I'm going to tell you this, man, just to your point, because I know exactly where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. I'm the same exact way. And I think it's the New York <laughs> mentality. You know, um, business is business is business at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. My thing is, if you communicate well with people and they understand you and you understand them, and mm-hmm. of course, people are going to have problems. And as long as you can talk those problems out and fix yeah. the issue and address it, you minimize your problems. So I never, over 22 years, I never had to evict anybody. You know what I mean? Mm. Never had to, uh, again, the only time I've ever been to court was with a contractor and I made a mistake mm-hmm. with that contractor. I broke one of my rules and I learned not to break my rules. Oh you yeah. Know, so you know, that was that yeah, support for an eviction. Um, yeah. they mostly, they'll just move out. Yeah. Pretty much. Now, if I'm trying to prove a point for mm-hmm. like, say if they trashed the place or something, but they've already left. So in reality, in my agreement, I can just go ahead and, um, cause I have it. Once you, once you leave the property vacant for 15 days, mm-hmm. we automatically could just take it over. You know, right. that's why I have this clause in there because people are all out of town in Paris for 30 days. All right. Well, say something now, you know, that's I ain't right. trying to be, out, but you know, if it's over 15 <laughs> days, because that's just not me being a, mm-hmm. a, a, but about things It's more of an insurance thing because, if you look deeper when your property is empty for a certain amount of time, you know, that goes into a different kind of insurance situation, yeah. but people don't know, you don't know what you don't know, but exactly. people would think that's me. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hard, you know, and I just, I just keep that demeanor up. My mom tries to soften me up as much as she can, but you know, people, people will people. Yeah. People are people and people will people, <laughs> like you said. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So why don't we provide, our listeners with a step-by-step process, right? So most people who listen into this podcast right now are brand new to investing. Uh, a lot of people think realtors are investors or investors are realtors. A lot of people don't know where, where to start, right? So why don't we provide maybe a three to five step game plan on how somebody can get into creative finance 
and use that to be able to build up passive income on a monthly basis? Uh, let's see. I'm going to try to be as helpful as possible. Um, Sounds good. With, with creative finances, if you have the, the funds, um, discretionary funds, like $2,000, you can set up a way to do flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, excuse me, uh, direct mailing to send those out. And, and they'll guide you and say, hey, what type of properties are you looking for? Are you looking for um, uh, non-owner occupied? Are you looking for people who, who are behind on a mortgage? They'll ask you, what exactly are you looking for? But you have to know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know. It's important to write things down for yourself. Therefore, you know what direction that you're going in. So that's one way. Another way is um, you can you can start door knocking. You can door knock. Um, Look at expired listings. I know this like things that people say all the time because I always hear people and it's usually the same stuff over and over mm-hmm. you know it's no it's no magic trick to it you just follow the steps that uh everyone has been saying expired listens expired listens really do work um and you can look up you can go to truepeoplesearch.com and look up people information yeah. it's not a hundred percent accurate but um yeah. i remember my last my I, it was my last flip 20 it was in March 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2020 or 2021, one of those. Um, but that was my last, because I'm not a flipper. But I was mm-hmm. just, it's this house that sat outside my neighborhood, an older home. And it sat in the cut. And I had bought my house, but I was traveling back and forth from New York and Georgia. But every time I came, came home, I'm just like, this house just sitting. Mm-hmm. So what I did was... Got the address, looked it up. I went to truepeoplesearch.com. This was the very last flip that I did years ago, mm-hmm. a few years ago. Went to truepeoplesearch.com, and the number that I found, this this was the easiest thing, the easiest deal I've ever done. The number that I found was to the person who owned the house who had already passed, mm. right? So in True People Search, they give you like relatives and things of that nature. So I just clicked on one of the relatives and I sent a text yeah. and the lady said, I uh, forget her name, but she said, uh, I said, Hey, are you interested in selling, um, one, two, three main street? And she said, Oh, you have to contact, uh, Bob. And she said, here's Bob number. I was like, okay. Gave me Bob number. I called him. He said, and he was out in uh, Carrollton, Georgia. And he said, well, how much you want to buy for? And I said, oh, well, we haven't been inside. So about, you know, like, uh, we'll say like 80, 83,000. He said, okay, well, let me know. I said, well, hey, can we get access inside? He said, yeah, you can go in. He's like, <laughs> it should be open. Went to the house. I called him back like a day later and said, I can give you 86,000. He said, okay, write it up. i give you my lawyer number. It was just as simple. I was like, yeah. what? And you know, why, you know why that worked so well? It's because <laughs> a lot of people are not. So he might not be on. He might be on the list, but the the the, the mail might be going to that particular house, and nobody's checking the mail there, right? So he's so a little it, harder to find. Okay, show occupied too. Right. So if the house, if the person is harder to find, mm-hmm. then chances of them being more responsive to you is going to skyrocket because you don't have everybody bombarding you with the same message, right? So if the house is listed as occupied, for example. And people are looking for vacant properties, but it's not really vacant. And you saw it on the street, then it yep. makes sense. There's a certain level of distress there. That's exactly what we were talking about before, right? 
So you created that opportunity. TruePeopleSearch.com. I use Fast People Search and True People Search every now and then. Um, Right. That's a free skip trace for for those of you who don't know. Right. Um, Those are beginning, just getting in. I'm telling you, it was just that simple. And he was just so nonchalant about it. And, uh, I mean, like I said, out of all the deals, that was the easiest um, and I haven't flipped that many deals cause I'm not a flipper. I'm a mm-hmm. buy and hold. Well, I'm mm-hmm. a, well, a long term flipper, <laughs> but, um, I buy and hold and, um, just, just not a wholesaler. So, mm-hmm. but I was just like, Oh, let me get something. So total of that deal we made, like, uh, I think it was 88,000 and my cut was 35. Yeah. Um, cause I just, I sourced it. I was like, Hey man, I got a deal that handle everything. Cause yeah. I'm rusty on that side on that wholesaling side. I'm mm-hmm. rusty, but. Yep. Yep. Yes, I still got something. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and thirty-five—that's that's a nice little paycheck from for making a uh, for making a couple phone calls. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so um, we're, we're gonna get back into the marketing play for just a second. But okay. how much money do you think somebody needs? Because you mentioned two thousand dollars. A lot of people don't believe me when I tell you when I say this on on my channel. Well, they can't wrap it around their head. Not that they don't believe me, but they can't wrap it around their heads. Okay. How much earnest money do you normally put down on these properties? Uh, none. Thank you. Uh, well, let me say this. <laughs> let me say this. Because if you go to my social media, you'll hear me talk about it. $10. Thank you. I, 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 I Again, yeah. I created that video, how to buy your first rental property even if you're broke. I, I gave it the benefit of the doubt and said, let's talk about $100 rather than 10 Because really, I'm putting down $10 on these properties. Yeah. Because right? you have to get... That's why I said ten dollars, and they're called. You gotta $10 give something, house. right? You gotta give something in order to make it a valid contract, right? A hundred dollars. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. People are like that's a scam. <laughs> so it's crazy. I wanted to people talk are- about that, and and that's just a that's a uh, the mindset of people who don't understand the the concept of how this actually works. Mm-hmm. The the way people think will always keep them broke. Always. You know what I mean? So. I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to address that. How much money do you really need, earnest money-wise, marketing dollars-wise, in order to start this? Because you need money to market. You don't need money to buy a house. Well, let me let me blow you and your audience away. Let's do this. And when I when I tell you this story and you guys listen, it blew me away. I mm-hmm. never heard of anything like this happening. So... Of course, as I mentioned, I didn't do all of the wholesaling and and that just wasn't my forte. Um, I enjoyed the creative finance because I didn't have to bring anything to the table but my education, Mm -hmm. right? Um, This particular deal, oh, it's going to blow you away and I'm going to try to get through it. Uh, And I still have this house. Let me tell you that. This particular deal, it was a few blocks away from my mom. And again, again, as I mentioned early on um, in this interview, it was, I know my areas. I know my mom area. I knew what was going on and just driving around the neighborhood. And I seen this house. This house had just been setting, right? And which the normal thing you do, you can go to the public records. Their name is there. You can go to public records and find their information. And that's what I did. Found their information. However, the number was wrong. So knocked on a neighbor's door. Hey, do you know who owns this house? 
oh yeah, you know, he comes sometimes and check on it. it happened with two houses like this, but this particular deal that I'm telling you, uh, that this is about to blow you away. But anyway, um, he's, oh yeah, he comes sometime. I said, I tell you what, the next time he comes, give me a call and I give you a hundred dollar referral. Mm. And sure enough, like clockwork, called me. It was about a few days later or so. Called me, and I was just in town just for a second. Called me, went over to the house, and keep in mind, this is just maybe three blocks from my mom. <laughs> so went over there, and the guy was there. I said, hey, are you the owner of this house? We talked in the yard. And he kept saying, you don't want this house. I was, yeah, I want this house, because the house was just beat up, right? He said, oh, you don't want this house. He said, I can't sell it. And I said, well, why you can't sell it? What's going on? He was like, I got to put so much money in it and fix it. And he would pay the taxes on it every year. Mm. But he nobody would buy it. He didn't know how to get rid of it. He didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I listened to him. I said, well, tell me what's going on with this house. He said, it just needs a lot of work. And um, he said, I can't sell it because I'm not going to, I'm not, he said, I don't even really want anything. I'm just, I'm just trying to get rid of it. I just don't know how to do it. I said, well, I'll take it off your hands. I said, how much do you want? And then he said, I, I don't know. I didn't think about it because I had just approached him on the street. Yeah. And then he said, well, you know what? Let me talk with my wife. Um, let me talk it over. Maybe, I wouldn't even say a whole day later, reached out to me. And um, he said, "He said, well, what are you thinking about giving, giving the amount for me on this house? Mm -hmm. I said, well, you have to tell me because this your house. And he was like, all right, here's the problems with this house. So he read down the situations with the house. And he said the main reason he couldn't sell is because he had a mechanics lien on the house. Mm. Right. So people look at it and they're like, oh, the house beat down, has a mechanics lien. Yeah. So they're like, oh, it's just going to be so much stuff. Well, with the creative financing, what I did, um, because he didn't know what he wanted. He was, I said, what do you like? He was just like, well, I like food. I said, okay. So I gave him a $25 Red Lobster gift card. I gave him that. He signed the house over. Now, keep in mind, no money was exchanged. Of course, the consideration. But to buy the house, I bought it with a $25 Red Lobster, Red gift, Lobster card. gift card. That's it. With the mechanics lien on it. Okay? So what happens is I buy my house in trust. Mm -hmm. Same okay? here. It doesn't come from him to Vicky. It goes into... A separate trust. Mm -hmm. So I put it into the trust. And it blew me away. Now, I will say this. My mom did help me with this. But I'm just like, wait, what? He sold his house for a $25 Red Lobster gift card. And he was so happy. Right? <laughs> Took over the taxes and everything. In this same year, I advertised it as is. Rent to own. Had these guys come up. And they looked at the house. I said, listen, it's going to be rent to own. And you can do work for equity. We'll give you credit for that. Work yep. for equity is once you do work on the home, we'll give you we'll give you some money off of the total amount of the house. Bingo. Right? Bingo. So, Bingo. Listen up, everybody. Listen to this because it's what I've been trying to tell y'all. This stuff <laughs> works. This is not coming from me. This is coming from Vicky. Vicky and I yeah. have a lot in common. That's why she's on this podcast right now. <laughs> Listen to what she's telling you. This is not me saying it. This is Vicky saying it, okay? <laughs> so 
the guys came and they looked and they was like, oh, I want some stuff done. Like, I don't really want to fix up this stuff. I said, well, you know what? Um, the option B would be, again, all of my properties are on rent to own. I don't mm -hmm. do regular rent. Mm -hmm. uh, so, well, except for my personal home, I did end up renting that out. But <laughs> rent to own for everything. So for these particular guys, what they did was they said, we'll do the lease option. I said, all right, your lease option, uh, you have to put down 4900 I think it was 4900 at the time. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, but we do want some stuff done because the house was the house was really old. So I said, okay. Now, I knew in my contacts, now, I didn't want to spend any money because this was this was my first official um, deal such as this, right? Mm -hmm. So I reached out to this guy, this contractor, who's really been trying to get his name out. I said, all right, hey, listen, this is, you know, your time to prove yourself. I said, we walked through the house. He said, oh, yeah, I can do this, and I can do that. And da -da 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 -da. He named everything he could do. I said, well, how much, is, how much are you charging for it? He was like, listen, I'll give you a good deal on it. He said, for everything, he was like, I'm going to just make it, like, spank new in here. He said, you ain't got to get rid of these cabins. The cabins were old. He said, I'm going to paint them. And the house, it's, a, it's still an older home. It's an old house. Nonetheless, they gave me 4900 Those guys, they gave me $4,900 to move in. The contractor only wanted 3000 to redo the whole house. Because remember, he he wanted to prove himself. Wow. So... I, they had already gave their money. I took three thousand of their forty nine hundred. It was about three thousand thirty one hundred something in there. Mm -hmm. Can't remember the exact numbers. Gave it to him, but this is after he finished up. Gave it to him. He fixed the house up. The guys moved in. They gave me their first money. Keep in mind, I had money left over from their option fee. The guys moved in. It's a free and clear house. There's no mortgage on the house. Mm -hmm. It's just the mechanics lien. Now keep in mind. I ain't got to pay the mechanics lien to the house is sold. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So the mechanics lien didn't, I didn't care about that. I just found a way around that. Mm -hmm. So it's a cash flow property. And um, now to this day, the, the same people are not living in there anymore. They, they didn't follow through with their option. No problem. I just did it again. That same time. You have a renovated property now too. Exactly. So now <laughs> more money. Yep. Right. Uh, that area goes for almost almost twenty two hundred. Mm -hmm. So free and clear twenty two hundred. That's off that one property. So that's the story of that. Bought the house with a twenty five dollar Red Lobster gift card. Crazy man. Quick question. Yeah. So the mechanics lien. How much is that on that property? That was sixteen thousand, I believe. It was sixteen thousand. So sixteen thousand. Obviously, the property is worth a lot more than that. You sell this property, it's going to pay off the mechanics lien, and you got a bag for you waiting. Of course. Yeah, the property is now is like uh, 400 and some thousand. It's worth 400 and some thousand. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. Has the seller ever come back to you and said anything about the property? Never. Never okay. heard from the guy. He's in the wind. Yep. He man, never heard anything. <laughs> He's happy to get but rid of it. But remember, we didn't do seller financing on it. We didn't do sub two because it was no mortgage on it. And all mm -hmm. he wanted was to just get it out so he don't have to pay taxes on it anymore. Just to give him that $25 Red Lobster gift card. Literally. And he just so you and bought the property for a $25 gift card. That uh -huh. was it. That was He gave you the property. Yep. And you're able to do whatever you want with it. That's not far. and few. Well, it's not far-fetched, everybody. 
because right. I've had properties. If you're in this business long enough, you're going to come across people like that. I've had people give me properties and the land next door. And I yep. donated the land and took the tax write off. You know what I mean? Because when you donate land, you get the tax write off in that particular city. The land wasn't worth much. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't see a vision for the future in that particular. We're talking about Reading, Pennsylvania. So okay. I donated the land and I got a nice tax deduction that particular year, but I kept the property. You know, so, nice. um, you know, again, when when you think outside the box, and you're willing to ask for it, you can always get what you want. You just got to be willing to ask and, and, and think bigger than what you're thinking right now because people will give you what you want as long as you're willing to ask for it at the end of the day. And that was my first creative financing deal. Look at that. So with your first creative finance deal, obviously it takes marketing. Just getting back into the steps now, right? So it takes mm-hmm. marketing, right? You, you go out there, you find these distressed properties, Physically or financially distressed, one or the other. Well, let me say that mm-hmm. marketing, if you're if you're new. Now, I didn't market for this. I just happened to drive around the neighborhood. Word of mouth. Have your money for your gas mm-hmm. and have your car or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always understand that um, the person who's in that situation, they always know somebody who's in that situation too. So if you do good business with them, they'll refer you. There you go. Right. So you don't have to spend money to even find a deal if you put in the time equity. Right. The time, if you put in the time driving around, spend some gas money. You know, we talk yep. about driving for dollars a lot on this yep. channel, on this podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk to other people, let everybody know that you're in the business. Word of mouth. Right. Some of my biggest deals came from word of mouth. Yeah. Right? Um, some of my biggest deals were people who lost a loved one, inherited a property or probate, right? But they didn't necessarily, I didn't find them on a probate list. I knew a person who knew a person, right? So everybody, number one, should know what you do and know who you are. And you should also be willing to look for the properties that aren't on the list, right? And that's how you're going to create that that situation for yourself where, you know, these people are not being bombarded with... uh, postcards and yellow letters and stuff like that but um they're hard to reach and if you're willing to take that extra step to to really get out uh reach out to them you'll be able to create winning opportunities just like this one $25 gift card purchasing a property $400,000 house today that's absolutely crazy yeah <laughs> you know what i mean so mm-hmm. so you, you you mentioned a couple grand earlier today Right. When we okay. were talking. So so when we, when we have access to a couple of thousand bucks, you can use that. Were, were you talking about using that for marketing or. Right. You can use that for your postcards. Mm-hmm. Um, when you call one of those companies, they'll yep. set you and to figure out what you're wanting, what your goals are. And mm-hmm. you tell them what your budget is and they'll make it happen with your budget. That's right. Um, but the thing of that is, you know, so if you if you have a two thousand dollar budget, or we we're even say a thousand dollar budget, if you have a a thousand dollar budget, um, they'll send out a certain amount of postcards. And again, each company is different um, with the amount of their bulk of postcards that they send out. 
But if your if your amount is a thousand dollars a month, that extra that you could spend, then um, let's just say you get one deal out of that. Mm-hmm. That one deal can now fund your next month and the month after that. Um, it is a consistent thing. Now I'm the one to talk about consistency because I've been so lazy because. <laughs> When you have that income coming in, you get so lazy with doing deals or whatever. That's a fact. And most of my business is word of mouth. Like mm-hmm. at this point, it's word. Like I almost do no advertising. Mm-hmm. It's just word of mouth. And of course, I've been lazy for like the last year and a half. Yeah. Not doing deals. So. Yeah, you you got you you're being fed. So that you know. Lazy, you can you can actually afford to be lazy if you wanted to. Right. You know what I mean. So, <laughs> so you got the marketing piece in play. That's step number one: finding a deal. Step number two would be what? Uh, so once you find your deal, you want to reach out to them, call them. Yep. Call that number that you have. Um, and again, it's not most of the time. It's not going to happen on the first call. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to keep doing your follow up. Uh, it could take that third or fourth call. Yep. Um, Keep them on your calendar and follow up, follow up. Hey, hey, this is this is Vicky. Just uh, reaching back out to you about one, two, three Main Street to see if you guys are still interested. Say, no, I told you I wasn't interested. Okay, no problem. I'll reach back out to you in 30 days because your first follow up would be like 30 days. Sometimes I do a 15 days, depending mm-hmm. on the project. 15 days, 30, or I do 30, 15, and then another 30 because uh, I don't want to call them like back to back to back and mm-hmm. irritate them. But I do want to space things out at enough time where I give them a chance to think. But by that third or fourth call, they'll probably be more in tune to listen. Um, but, yeah, you listen, it's, I thought it was hard, too. And don't get me wrong, I still face my challenges with being in, in this business quite a while now. Um, however, it can be done. And once you do your first one. <sighs> oh, the rest of it is history. Right. It's just take that one deal. Yeah. Really quick, what's the, the one question that you ask to introduce seller financing or some type of creative financing into the equation when you're talking with these sellers? Well, I do listen to their story. Um, so I always, you know, if I introduce myself and I keep my introduction very short because I want to hear what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so introducing it depends on their situation of how I introduce it. You mm-hmm. know, I can't same way all the time uh but i listen to them they say yeah i I, I want cash i want cash um four hundred thousand dollars i said okay mr jones we're not a problem i said i tell you what we can get you your four hundred thousand dollars today that's not a problem (laughs) and because that's what everybody wants everybody wants cash you know because no one knows anything else right i can get you a hundred thousand dollars today not a problem um however here is what it's going to take. Now I have this thing where I do a cost to sale and I can give these gems away because I don't have anything to sell. (laughs) So, but I do a cost to sale with each person. So what I do is I run down their numbers of what it's going to cost them to sell a house. They want 400,000. No problem. What it's going to cost because, um, you know, you got your realtor fees, you got your marketing fees, you got your holding, you got your da, 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 da. da. And if I give you 400,000 cash today, you know, I don't want to pay the fee on it because I don't have just 400,000 cash sitting. I got to go and get that money. Mm-hmm. So they're going to charge me to get that 400,000, right? So since I have that 400,000, I'm going to make the seller pay for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I break down these real numbers to them, they're like, oh, okay. I said, well, you know what? 
how about we scratch all of that? You don't even have to worry about these extra fees and this extra stuff. What we're going to do is just, and I break down the seller finance into them. I said, right. I tell you what, you don't have to worry about all those fees. How about if I can get you your whole 400000 and if you need moving costs, I go ahead and give you that up front. Most of the time, they don't need moving costs. Mm -hmm. Again, that just depends on their story when I'm listening to it. 90% of the people I've, I have been giving moving costs to, again, I listen to their story. But that's how I introduce it because they don't want to pay all those extra fees and things of that nature. Right. So if that happens, I introduce that seller financing. And that's how, just so you guys who are listening, that's how you, cre that's how you can pay market value for a house, right, and still be able to do seller financing. And then if you listen to what Vicky's saying, she's selling on a rent to own, which is equivalent to a lease purchase, right? You can yep. sell for more than what market value is because you're future valuing the property. So yep. you're thinking three, four, five years out, how much is this property going to be worth? That's my new price. And that's how this right. stuff works. It's not rocket science, everybody. Right. Once you understand <laughs> the game, you just got to be willing to learn it and be willing to do it and ask the right questions. One of my favorite questions we've been asking recently, rather than saying, is there a mortgage on a property? We'll say something like, um, how much of a mortgage do I have to pay off? Something right. like that. So now rather than it's just how it's asking the same question, but it's repositioning the question. Right. So um, rather than if I came to you and I said, Hey Vicky, do you have a mortgage on your property? Who's this mortgage with? Right. You're going to mm -hmm. throw your guards up. But if I say, is there a mortgage that I need to pay off on this property? They're going to say, do you really, are you really going to pay off my property? Right. right. I like the way. I like that way. It's just repositioning how you say things to, right. to get the answer that you need. Because if they say that there's a mortgage that I need to pay off on the property, then guess what? I know that there's a mortgage. And now the way I'm positioning my offer is, is going from seller finance to subject to. Yes. You know what I mean? So it, it's just how you ask things. And, and, and there's a ton of information on this channel teaching you mm -hmm. guys how to do this. You know, it, it's it's not hard. You just got to get out there and do it. And yep. once you get the ball rolling, just like with anything else, you don't walk into a gym and bench press 315 pounds on the first day. You build the up. Build it. You know what I mean? So step-by-step um, -step process. You got the marketing. You ask the questions. You make the offers. Mm -hmm. um, and you close the deals at the end of the day. That's, that's what it's all about, right? And yes. obviously, there's going to be some obstacles that – our listeners are going to face. So what yeah. should they expect? As I, I think what on? people mm -hmm. be scared about is when people, when the sellers are saying, Hey, I want cash. Mm -hmm. And because, and I, and I guess I can speak for myself because that was the thing that scared me in the beginning. Like, Hey, I want cash. And mm -hmm. in your mind, you're like, I don't even have $20 in the bank. How am I going to get this person, you know, $400,000 or right. a million dollars? I always tell them, I act like I have a million dollars. I say, oh, no problem. I can get you, like I like the story I just explained, oh, no problem. We can get you a million dollars today. Right. If that's what you want. I already know people are not going to pay a million dollars. Once you put your house on the market, anytime you put it at a million dollars, people are going to negotiate that down. Whether it's mm -hmm. 10000 5000 you're not yep. going to get your exact million dollars. That's why I like to give the seller exactly what they're asking for. And I can give you a million dollar cash today. Here is what it's going to cost you to get that million dollar cash today. Because you got to let them know they got to pay to yep. get the million cash. I got to go to a hard money lender and pull that cash right now. You know, so whatever percentage that they charge me, seller, Mr. Seller, you're going to have to pay for this. Right. So that's just 
that's just the simple thing of it. You know, I have no problem giving you a million dollars, but it's going to cost you, you know, 80 or $90,000 to get this million dollars. Do that. Is that what you want? Oh, no, I want my whole million. Well, no problem. I'm going to give you a million. Here's how we can restructure that. Right. And yeah. that's the key right there, right? I'll give you what you want, but we're going to have to do it according to my terms. Exactly. That's basically what Vicky is saying. You know, yep. so once you guys understand that, you understand that concept again, you can give the seller what they want, mm-hmm. but you can ask for how you want the seller to receive that money. Yeah. And if the seller accepts, you got yourself a deal. Right. So there's no what ifs in this. What if this happens? I get a lot of what if questions on my channel. Right. What if this happens? What if that happens? Stop thinking about the what is. It hasn't happened yet. When you when when the what if comes about, you cross that bridge. You worry about it then. Until then, yep. do something to get you closer to the goal. Because the what if will never pop up if you're not moving closer to, to the goal. And at the end of the day, a lot of times, 99% of the time, the what if never happens anyway. Yeah. And let me say this. Uh, again, I like to talk in real terms when I'm talking mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. When you're in front of a seller, even when I was new, and they were asking me a question that I didn't know, I said, you know what, that's a great question. Um, let me check with my partner whether you have a partner or not, let me check with my partner and I'll make sure I have that answer back to you. Yep. And you can just move on to the next question. Don't act like you know everything. That's right. You don't. And that's okay. You could just say, you know, I never had that question before. Well, that's not a problem. What I can do is I can ask my partner just to confirm and I get back with you today on the answer. Then you go ask your coach or you come on this yep. channel, ask mail, send him a quick message. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be happy to give you a quick answer on something, you know. Key so. points right here. This is a killer podcast. I'm, I'm loving this conversation right now. Sure you guys are. Drop a like on this video. Make sure you share this video as well. Um, Vicky, um, obviously there's going to be obstacles that our, our listeners are going to face when they're uh, doing this. Like you said, one of them you mentioned, which I love, was um, if the seller comes up with a question and you don't know the answer, don't act like you know everything, right? Right. Um, tell them that you'll get back to them. And then move on to right. the next question. What What are some other obstacles that they should expect when doing creative financing? Um, I guess that's in, that part is in front of the seller when doing creative financing. I mentioned, you know, coming up with the money, mm-hmm. how that can happen. Another aspect, aspect, um, you have to figure out you as the buyer before you get to the seller once you mm-hmm. well let me say this once you know the amount that they want you have to figure out how you want to create those terms and it's okay to do that math right in front of them um but every time you come up with your own answer so say if we agreed that we were going to do this property for three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to pay them over time you can either do a balloon payment after five years you can mm-hmm. do a balloon payment 10 years or you don't have to do a balloon payment um, in that process, what you could say is, okay, so what I'm going to give you is $900 a month. Are you okay with that? Don't come up with an answer for yourself. You always push it back on them and say, are you okay with that? They may be like, oh, you know what? Let's do 950. Okay. Not a problem. I never care what they're going to ask for. Mm-hmm. I, I never care what they're going to ask for. I just say, okay, I never care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And when you're doing creative financing, it doesn't matter. Now, if I know the property cash flow $2,000 and they ask for nine fifty, I don't care. Right. You know, I didn't give them that nine fifty. not a problem. Um, but that's, that all goes into working your numbers appropriately. You right. know, nine fifty 
bother me if I'm cash flowing two thousand. It wouldn't bother me. Right. You know. You gotta know your numbers up front. Because if yep. you know if you know your numbers, you know how to angle or steer the conversation in a way that's gonna benefit both of you. Because sometimes right. the seller really don't know what they want. Right? Yep. And yep, the guy- sometimes it takes a little bit of persuasion to be able to yep. talk to the seller and, and help them to understand what they really want. And then, you know, once you figure that out and the terms line up with what you're trying, even if they're not exactly what you want, let's say, for example, using using your your example, what if the seller wanted fifteen hundred? You're still in a positive of five hundred dollars. Now, yep. if the seller wanted two thousand, and you need it, and, and and you can only get two thousand. That might not be a deal, but tell you, I can say that it still could be a deal right. because. I've used this sentence that I'm getting ready to say to you. Mm-hmm. I've always tell them, let's just say the property cash flow 2000 and they wanted 2000. Mm-hmm. I say, well, Hey, Mr. Jones, let me be quite honest. We're in this business to make money. So it has to make sense for both of us in order for us to complete the deal. If the property cash flow, what we're able to do is the max we can give you is 1500. Are you okay with that? Because I'm able to just tell them out front. I'm not trying to hide anything. Right. I can say, Hey, we're in this business to make money and it has to make sense for mm-hmm. us to move forward with buying this property. I tell them just like, they are always okay with that. Exactly. And, and sellers understand and you never get what you don't ask for. You know, That's right. We, we've been saying a lot of things, a lot of the same stuff over and over mm-hmm. again on this call. And yep. I think this was a really, really good podcast for you guys to understand the concept of creative finance and what you should be asking for, how deals can come into play mm-hmm. loaded with gold nuggets for you guys. If you're not listening, listen again for sure. Yeah. Now, how can our listeners get in contact with you uh, if they wanted to touch base with you or follow you on social media? Listen, if y'all got a question or anything, I don't sell anything, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, but you can reach out to me, Vicky the Investor, uh, on Instagram, V-I-C-K-I, the Investor. Uh, just reach out to me, send me a message. Uh, if you got a quick question, now I can't do 500 questions because I can't sit on the internet all day answering 500 questions, but reach out to me there. I haven't joined threads yet, but um, on, um, what is it, Twitter, I'm um, Vicky the Investor also, or Vicky Investor, that's what it is. But yeah, you can reach out to me mostly through Instagram, Vicky the Investor. And, Perfect. you know, I. Perfect, bro. I want to make sure I link that in the description box for you guys. Make sure you check Vicky out. I, I follow Vicky as well. Uh, we're actually following each other and um, just a ton of value that you can get from her. Uh, like, like I said, Vicky reminds me a lot of myself. And I, and I, <laughs> I think I mentioned that to you before, too. I said, um, we got a lot in common. I need to get you on this podcast. And she agreed to it. So I appreciate you doing that. Um, no problem. Thanks for having me. Are you reading anything uh, in particular right now that our listeners can benefit from? Um, I am reading Pace Morby's book. Mm-hmm. Um, Wealth in I forget what it's called wealth wealth in cash or wealth it's wealth in something mm-hmm. but Pace Morby has a uh, a book out he does sub two also mm-hmm. um, but yeah I just I was interested in just reading his book all the stuff he's talking about yeah it, so far it's good I haven't finished it but I am reading that yeah shout out to Pace I had him on my podcast too yeah he's a good guy yeah he's a great dude be be on the lookout for that definitely a great support to the real estate investing community as well i'll be sure to yeah. link the podcast i did with him up at the top if you're watching this on youtube um but shout out to pace morby too so i'm gonna link his book in the description box for you guys um if you had to provide our listeners with some last words of advice what would those words be uh be an action taker 
be an action taker. Plan That's the only people. way it done. You know, you don't have to plan out everything. And I'm a planner myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, just do it. Whether you mess up, who cares? You'll never see those people again. That's right. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Be an action taker, plain and simple. Vicky, the investor, we appreciate you uh, hopping on this podcast with us today. We look forward to having you again if you're up yes. to it. And, Thank you uh, for having me. Let me know anytime. Absolutely. Any questions that you guys have for Vicky, be sure to leave in the comment section of this uh, podcast and we'll regroup. We'll have her back on and um, we'll get your questions answered on another podcast. Uh, be sure to follow Vicky on Instagram. I'm going to link all of her socials in the description box for you guys. If you missed the gold nuggets, make sure you listen to this podcast again. There was a ton that we talked about, right? But this yeah. was, you know, laid back investor talk today, right? Yeah. And if you're listening, you'll, you'll hear the experience through this particular podcast. I, I really enjoyed this. Looking forward to, to, to another one with you, Vicky. If you ever need me yeah. for anything, just let me know. And, um, Same here. Thank you. Thank appreciate you. that. And if you guys enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it. Make sure you like it. And if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe. We're over 100,000 people now. I appreciate the, the community for supporting. We're actually approaching 110 at this point. And, Congratulations. Um, appreciate that. And I'm just going to continue to provide value for you guys uh, on this platform as best as I can. So looking forward to the next one. And I'll see you guys then.